It had to be about at least 10 years ago when my uncle told me about an experience that he had. See, my uncle used to drive big rigs. He used to drive the big 18-wheelers. That was his vocation at the time. And uh, there was a particular job that had him parked outside of a building on 41st and 10th Avenue, just outside of Times Square, a very busy intersection, if you can imagine. Now, while he was parked, he noticed a bunch of youth hanging out in front of this uh, building. Day after day, he took notice of them. Sometimes, you know, sometimes they would be yelling and shouting and shoving each other. Once in a while, a fist fight would break out on occasion. Puffs of weed smoke would cloud the air. And it created this big curiosity uh, inside of my uncle. So he did some digging around and he found out that that particular building was actually a shelter for homeless youth right there, just outside of Times Square. And God began to stir a burden in his heart for that youth. So he approached me and he asked me if I would go with him to talk to somebody there at the building and see if they would allow us to start a Bible study, a service, uh, a prayer group, something. He just, he wanted to start something, you know, he just, he wanted to interact with this youth. He just felt this burden from God. So we didn't know a soul. We didn't know anybody there. We knew nothing about the shelter, but he was sure that this was a God-given opportunity and his heart was broken for the youth that was hanging out in front of that building. So we blindly walked in and we asked to talk to somebody <laughs> there without knowing anybody. And, and the rest is history. God gave us an opportunity for several years uh, to minister there. Every first Saturday of the month, we would head to Covenant House, which we learned was the name of this shelter, to share hope, to share encouragement, and to share the gospel with whoever would sit down and listen to us and entertain us. And let me tell you guys, uh, these are some of the pictures, and we can keep it up on the screen for a little bit just so you guys can examine uh, that we did while we were there. Let me tell you, it was a jungle sometimes. Many of these kids were homeless because they had been incarcerated. Many were in gangs. Many were doing hard drugs. Some of the girls there, 15, 16 years old, were pregnant. We had fights break out in the middle of our Bible study. Security guards would have to dash out, and break, dash out and break the fights. Girls would yell and cuss each other out. I mean, sometimes it was a jungle. But it was all a God-given opportunity. God gave us an opportunity to share our stories and to share the gospel. You see, my uncle has a crazy story. Those of you that know him know this. Incarcerated drug addicted, medically dead more than once, attempted suicide several times. So he was able to relate to the youth at Covenant House on that level. And he was able to speak with conviction, with anointing and authority over the mess that God got him out of as he shared the hope of, uh, of this story with them. And so if you can see from some of the pictures, we brought music, we brought dance, we brought games. And of course, you know me, we brought food for the youth at Covenant House. Whatever we could do, whatever we could do just to brighten their day a little bit, and just so that they would lend us an ear to hear the gospel, all from God-given opportunity. In today's passage, Paul is going to talk about these divine opportunities. And he's going to describe it using the word kairos. 
So entertain me, guys. Repeat after me the Greek word, kairos. Kairos. Here's number one in your notes. If you're taking notes, it's this. God gives us kairos opportunities. What does that mean? I'm going to define it for you in just a second. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, once again. Therefore, as we have what? Say that word out loud. As we have opportunity, opportunity as we have kairos, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. I believe I have this on the screen. The definition of kairos is the right, critical, or opportune moment. The right, critical, or opportune moment. And this is the word Paul is using. He says, therefore, as we have kairos, as we have opportunity. Kairos are the opportunities that God gives us to sow seed. We've spoken about earlier in, uh, in chapter 6 of Galatians throughout our series. Kairos are the opportunities to show and share the love of Jesus. And God gives you, you, he gives you kairos opportunities. While I was at Covenant House, you can put that, that picture back up there because he's somewhere in there, the, the picture from earlier. God gave me the opportunity to meet someone that many of you have had the chance to meet. Many of you know. His name is also Danny. When I first met him, um, a lot of you don't know this about our story, perhaps, or his story in particular. When I first met Danny, he was living at Covenant House. He was one of the youth one of the homeless youth. He, you see, he had just finished serving time for attempted murder and uh, his family disowned him. So while at Covenant House, crazy story, he surrenders his life to Jesus. And once he was able to transition out of the, out of the shelter, he, he gets a job, he gets his own place, and he would go back with me to go and share his story to the youth at Covenant House. And like my uncle, Danny's story uh, was, was special because, and it was captivating for the youth there because he was able to tell them, yo, I used to sit where you guys are sitting. And somebody came to me and shared about Jesus. And so they found him relatable. God gave me the opportunity to share with Danny and then to invite him to do ministry with me at Covenant House. And it blossomed into this great relationship. Little did I know at the time that Danny was actually, guess from where? From Bushwick. Danny was from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Another God-ordained Kairos opportunity happened. Danny was actually one of the first people to jump on board. And this is crazy, guys. He was one of the first ones to jump on board with this ridiculously crazy idea to plant a life-giving gospel-centered church called Swerve Church in Bushwick, Brooklyn. He said yes. And he played an integral part in the birth of Swerve Church. What are the Kairos opportunities, those God-ordained opportunities that God has placed or is placing before you for His glory and for the good of others? If you're listening to me today, whether you're here in the room or if you're listening to me online, God has given you Kairos opportunities, God-given, God-ordained opportunities. And these aren't just opportunities for clergy or leaders or pastors. God has appointed and ordained opportunities for us all. In fact, I would love for you guys to read this verse out loud with me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Would you guys read this out loud? Ready, go. 
For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You are created masterfully by God in Christ Jesus for the Kairos moments. And Paul says that these were prepared for us ahead of time. Another version, maybe the Bible that you read, says long ago. God ordained, God appointed. What are the Kairos opportunities that God has given to you? Listen, you don't need to do everything. You don't need to do it all. Neither are you called to. But for you and for me, there are specific God-given Kairos moments for us to obediently step into and accomplish. So Paul's going to continue to end this verse. He's going to go on to answer the question, who are the Kairos opportunities for? Who are we able to serve? Number two in your notes is this, look for Kairos opportunities to serve your neighbor. Look for Kairos opportunities to serve your neighbor. Look at the verse again, Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of how many? Of all. all, especially those who belong to the household of faith. God gives us opportunities to serve everyone that is around us, to serve our neighbors, to serve our family, to serve our friends, to serve those who are far from Christ. And throughout Scripture, God sets this precedent both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In the New Testament, you guys might remember um, the parable from Jesus of the Good Samaritan. You guys remember that parable? In that parable, Jesus teaches the lesson that your neighbor is not the person who dresses like you, is not the person who has the same skin color as you, not the same nationality, not the person that has the same ideas, or listen, who votes the way you do or holds to your political beliefs. Your neighbor has nothing to do with what you have in common, but has everything to do with proximity, with who is closest to you. So we are called to serve our neighbor. And Jesus affirms this when he says the following. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Would you guys read this verse out loud with me as well? Ready, go. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. For all to see. And when we obediently follow Jesus, and when we seize the Kairos opportunities prepared for us, God will ultimately get the glory. That's what the verse says there. Which means that we don't do anything out of selfish ambition. We don't do this for recognition. We all do it for the glory of who? For the glory of God. And what we've been saying all along throughout Galatians 5 and 6 is that the gospel impacts our lives. The gospel doesn't only change your eternal standing with God, but it has a real-world impact on how we live our lives. The gospel is the motivator and the inspiration for why we respond to God's kairos moments. Because Jesus was the perfect model of kairos. He responded to God-ordained Kairos opportunities throughout his life to serve others and to proclaim salvation and to proclaim the coming of the kingdom of God. From the first recorded miracle, think about this, the first recorded miracle of turning water into wine where he served 
the newlywed couple at their wedding? Or what about when, uh, when he recruited some unlikely, overlooked people to join his mission and made leaders and made missionaries and disciple makers out of a pair of, of fishermen and, and tax collectors that would go ahead and change the world forever? What about when those religious leaders brought a woman before Jesus who was caught in the act of adultery and they claimed that she deserved the death penalty? Jesus stepped into his God-ordained opportunity to extend mercy and to extend forgiveness to this woman. And of course, the crux of the journey was the, the crux of it was the journey to the cross, which was his kairos to demonstrate the ultimate act of love, the ultimate act of service and sacrifice. It's when he sacrificially served you by taking upon the wrath of God for your sins so that you can experience the Kairos opportunity of accepting God's gift of grace and forgiveness of your sin and so that you can be called a child of God. What are the Kairos opportunities God has placed before you to work for the good of all? Are you, like Jesus, obediently stepping into those God-ordained opportunities, those good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do? What impact and what difference do you think it would make to your neighbors, to your community, to your friends, to your family, if you shared the love of Jesus and obediently stepped into what God has prepared for you? Do you guys know the amount of impact it would have? Who else do these Kairos opportunities go for? Number three is this. This is the last point for today. Look for Kairos opportunities to serve your church family. Look at verse 10 again. Therefore, as we have Kairos opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the what? To the household of faith. Who's the household of faith? What does that mean? What does that phrase mean? Anybody know? It means your, your church family. Yeah, it means the people that, that, that's right, it means us. You know, and I find it super interesting that, uh, that Paul includes this here in this verse. He places an addendum at the end of working for the good of all, which, by the way, all would include, right, your church family. But he goes ahead and he adds to that. And he says that it's also, it's also and especially to do good for those who belong to the household of faith, a.k.a. your church family, your brothers and sisters in Christ. I think it's interesting, but I think it also makes a lot of sense to include this here. Because it's obvious that your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ or your church family would be included in the word all. But then again, maybe it's not so intuitive. You know, sometimes, think about this, sometimes it's the people that we love the most, the people closest to us, that often see the worst part of us. Isn't that true? Maybe because those are the people that see the truest version of you. Sometimes it's easier to be polite and to be kind and to be nice to strangers than to your own family. Maybe because familiarity breeds contempt. So, Paul has to include this here and essentially say, hey guys, listen, 
all includes not only your neighbors, I'm referring to them, not only your friends, I'm referring to them as well, not only your community, and not just the people that you don't know, and not just the people that are far from God, but I'm also talking about those people that you do life with. I'm also talking about those folks in your life group, the people you go to church with. Include them in that as well. And I've given you Kairos opportunities to serve them. Again, you would think it's common sense, but sometimes things that should be aren't, right? They're not common sense. What about in your life? What about with your brothers and sisters in Christ or your church family? Do you seek out Kairos opportunities, God-ordained opportunities for you to do good and to serve those who belong to the household of faith? How can you serve your church family? Listen, every time you choose forgiveness over holding a grudge for grievances or disagreements, you serve your brother or sister. Every time you lend an ear or shoulder to cry on or words of sympathy and affirmation and encouragement, you are fulfilling the words of Scripture which says to mourn with those that mourn and you're serving your brother or sister. Whenever you send an encouraging text message to uplift your brother or sister, just to let them know that you're praying for them or thinking of them, you're serving your church family. And many of you know that uh, Melissa and I at home, we had a pretty crummy Christmas and New Year. It was tough because, uh, you know, we all came down with colds and, of course, we thought it was the worst of it. So there was no Christmas dinners. There was no New Year celebrations. We avoided contact with any family. We usually try to vacation at the end of the year. We try to head out. We didn't do none of that. We, did, we just didn't want to risk getting anybody else sick. So it was a huge disappointment for the kids, of course, because, you know, they're going to get a bunch of gifts, right, from their aunts and uncles. Well, just after the new year, uh, somebody knocked on the door. So we, we, I run to the door. I open it up. And guess who was there? My father-in-law and my brother-in-law, they came huffing and puffing from bringing a bunch of bags full of gift-wrapped uh, gifts and, and boxes and bags. It was like a clean-shaved Puerto Rican Santa Claus knocked on my door. And he dropped it all at the door. He was like, you know, I'm just here. You know, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. Him and his brother-in-law made their way. They loaded up their cars. They drove to my house, find a parking spot, picked up all these bags, carried them into our building, up the elevator, to the front of our door. And I'm sure they didn't think much of it, but I know. I know that it was a Kairos moment for them to serve. Not only their blood family, obviously we're their family, but we're their brothers and sisters in Christ as well. And it made our day. And the kids, of course, got a bunch of gifts that they do not deserve, okay? <laughs> but what are, what are the Kairos opportunities? What are the God-ordained, God-inspired, God-prepared opportunities that God has divinely given you to serve your brother or your sister in Christ? Can I give you some advice? Whenever you feel that nudge of the Holy Spirit, do it. Because that might just be what your brother or sister needs at that moment. I'm going to invite Hunter to come up here. And uh, I don't know, Hunter, if you had a song that you wanted to sing I was thinking, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the, the bridge of, of oceans or the chorus or whatever, uh, but it doesn't matter, whatever you want to sing. 
but as he leads us in this final song, I'm going to invite you to partake in communion today. We got the cups. They came in. So we're going to partake in communion together. And as we do, uh, I, I just want to let you know why we partake in communion. It's because we remember Jesus' Kairos moment. It was that Kairos moment for Jesus that led him to face the cruelest of deaths for the sake of love. So we drink the juice, which represents the blood of Jesus that washes away our sin. And we eat the bread, which represents Jesus' body broken for us and nailed upon the cross. And so as you partake in communion, reflect and thank God for Jesus who said yes to his kairos so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be renewed, and so that we can become members of the family of God. And use it as an opportunity as we worship and as we partake in communion to repent of sin and to beg the Holy Spirit to draw you closer to the heart of Jesus. And ask God, ask God to show you the Kairos moments and the Kairos opportunities that lay ahead in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. And pray that we might have obedient hearts to say yes. Would you guys pray that with me? Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the good work of Jesus on our behalf. Thank you that he said yes. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross for me, for my sin, and he stepped into his kairos, his opportunity on my behalf. I pray, God, that as your word says, that we may let our light shine before all men. And that when we do so, God, that it wouldn't be for vainglory, that it wouldn't be for a name, that it wouldn't be for a reputation, that it would be for the name that is above all names, that it would be for the glory of God. I thank you, God, for our extended family, our church family. God, I'm so grateful. For those that are here in this room, for those that are maybe tuning in online or will watch the sermon later on, I thank you for them, God. And I know, God, for me, it's not always intuitive. So I pray that you would help us to do good, especially to those of the household of faith. God, I pray that we wouldn't simply be hearers of the word, but be doers. And God, in the same way you gave my uncle that Kairos opportunity, we were able to minister to dozens and dozens of youth and the same way you allowed me to meet Danny, God, and, and share the gospel with him and, and how he stepped into his Kairos opportunity and, and all that you've done in his life since. God, how many lives perhaps may we be able to impact if we came to you with a humble yes? And so, Holy Spirit, I know you are talking to us every day, but it is us, our sinful flesh, that stifles the Holy Spirit, that silences the Holy Spirit, that puts excuses and says no. So God, I pray that you would empower us, God, to step out upon the waters and to say yes. So Spirit, lead us. Spirit, lead us. And I pray because of our yes, because of our yes that there'll be family members that are impacted, that there'll be co-workers and friends' lives that are forever changed because of our yes. 
And I pray, God, that collectively as a church in this community, because us as a church stepped into the Kairos opportunity of God, that there will be an, a, last, a lasting impact here in Bushwick, Brooklyn, God, for your glory and for your name's sake and to glorify and magnify the name of Jesus. And many people would experience an abrupt change in direction because we said yes. Because a bunch of crazy people just trusted God enough to say yes to the Kairos opportunities. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.